Hey everyone, this is Derek Bros with the Conscious Resistance Network. I hope you guys are all doing well. I've been taking a break from producing content for the past few weeks, and I'll tell you more about that later in an upcoming video, but let's just say I'm back at it. I'm producing new videos starting this week. You can visit me at theconsciousresistance.com. Hopefully, even in my break, you've been visiting the content, the website here, because we have released some new stuff. I went ahead and published some new articles from our new contributor, Anthony Samaroff, who you, you will hear soon in a new interview. He's focused on health, uh, particularly true healthcare. He's got two articles out about big pharma and healthcare. I put out a new report involving smart city kiosks in Houston, a new interview with Mike Adams. I confronted Peter Hotez a couple times. I interviewed RFK Jr. So I've been busy, but I have taken a little bit of a break and now I'm back at it and I'm ready to produce new content. And today we're going to focus on an interview I released uh, right before my break in early September. Uh, you can find it when you go here to our website, click on our content archive. You can go back, yeah, I think it was September 13th. My conversation with NBC's misinformation expert. And I spoke with Brandy Zadrozny, NBC's senior reporter, MSNBC expert back in February 2023, and she said she wanted to talk to me about my work on the Finders, the Utah Ritual Abuse case, quote-unquote satanic panic, things like that. And I did this interview, and so far nothing has come out. There hasn't been any reports released about me yet or anything like that. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and release the whole thing. And so I did release that, and I shared in that video, for those of you who've seen that, I shared my entire conversation with Brandy Zadrozny, I screen recorded the whole thing so you can see her face, my face, watch the whole reaction. And I decided, you know what? I want to write an article about this. So my latest article for The Last American Vagabond is a breakdown of this conversation. So you have the 40-minute conversation yourself you can listen to on your own. But I wanted to make sure to really highlight some of the most important crucial points and what this means and what we can learn about this um, conversation and from this conversation regarding the bigger information war, propaganda war that we are all facing and living through, including what has become known as fifth generation warfare. So that's what we're going to talk about in this video. Stay tuned. First though, I want to let you know if you would like to support my work, one of the best ways to do that is to pick up copies of my book. You can go to the shop if you're at theconsciousresistance.com, click on the shop menu, it drops down to books and shirts and you can find all of my books here um, including the conscious resistance trilogy which was published in 2020 how to opt out of the technocratic state the second edition which i just published this past year the original three books that went into the conscious resistance trilogy as well as my other book the holistic self-assessment and you can find some other works by my friend john vibes and I'm actually working on a new book right now, a couple new books. So you can, when you buy those books, it does support me. It does help me um, continue to do this work. The other thing would be to buy Conscious Resistance t-shirts. We have all these amazing original designs. We make our own designs. No masters, no slaves, holistic anarchism, uh, the exit and build shirt, revolution without healing is a recipe for disaster, the Conscious Resistance shirt. You are powerful, you are beautiful, you are free shirt. And all of these, we have several different colors and designs you can choose from. We're also going to be launching a new shirt soon called Ask Me Why I Don't Use Bluetooth and plenty of other things like that. So if you can afford these shirts and you want to rock them and spread the message, that's always a good way to support what we're doing at theconsciousresistance.com. 
So as I said, my latest article, which by the way, for those who don't know, I write for The Last American Vagabond. You can always visit thelastamericanvagabond.com and check out my author page under the T-Lab team. Look up Derek Bros. You can see all of my series I've done in the past. You can just click on my page and it brings you here to my latest article, which is, as I said a moment ago, a profile of the so-called misinformation expert, Brandy Zadrozny. And, you know, this article turned out to be a little bit longer than I wanted it to be, which is why I'm doing this video, because I know some of you won't read long articles. Um, but I think it's necessary because not only do I need to provide some context while you're watching this of what the heck are me and Brandy Zadrozny talking about, because there's a lot of references to Utah, to the Utah ritual abuse case. We talk about David Hamblin. We talk about David Levitt. And if you don't, if you haven't followed my work, either my articles or my video reporting on the Utah ritual abuse case, then you know you could be kind of totally in the dark about what we're discussing and what's going on there. So the article partly, partially is about that, is trying to catch you up on what's been going on. But I'll I'll do that more briefly here for those of you who are watching slash slash listening. Brandy Zadrozny again is the senior reporter at NBC. She's a former libra librarian who has been kind of promoted as this misinformation expert. Her beat, her focus, is conspiracy theories. She writes articles about so-called anti-vaxxers and conspiracy theories and satanic panic and QAnon. This is her specialty, her focus, her beat as a journalist. And so I've seen her name pop up really often, uh, and especially with increasing frequency. And I think this is because she is being promoted as this expert and as this go-to person who studies conspiracy theories and, and uh, extremism and all this, and so we should trust her opinion. Uh, and because she is doing so, as I will show here in this conversation between her and I, as she is doing so in a very unquestioning manner, honestly, makes her very useful to the ruling class, to the establishment. That was basically the conclusion that I come to in this article. Because she writes articles that dismiss the Utah ritual abuse case, which I have been covering since it began in summer of 2022, May 2022 to be exact. And at that point, the Utah County Sheriffs, they announced that they were investigating what they called ritualistic child sex, sex abuse. This was their words, the words of the uh, Utah County Sheriff's Office. They announced that I immediately jumped on the case, and I have produced I've produced about a dozen articles since then, just looking into this this bigger topic here. Uh, as you can see here, I'll link all these videos. You can you can see every single piece I've written about this. Utah County Sheriff sets off debate with investigation into ritualistic child sex abuse. Again, those are their words, not mine. So I've been following this story, and Brandy Zadrozny and NBC they put out this crap article last year that I actually dissected and in my own response article that tried to accuse those who are concerned about what's going on in Utah or who are paying attention to what's going on in Utah as falling prey to satanic panic. Here's our article. It's called Satanic Panic is Making a Comeback, Fueled by QAnon Believers and GOP Influencers. Brandy Zadrozny right there, September 2022. And Basically, her article defends David Levitt. The, he was a Utah County uh, attorney. He got himself wrapped up in this because he said he held a press conference after the sheriffs announced their investigation 
all on his own. Nobody said his name or mentioned him just to remind or to let the press know, hey, guys, I'm not a cannibal. And me and my wife didn't kill or abuse kids. Just want to let you know that. That is what this county attorney did, David Levitt, who's part of the Levitt family. And he claimed that the sheriff's investigation, again, even though they did not mention his name, he claimed that it was focused on him and it was it was politically motivated to try to get him out of office. Well, Brandy Zadrozny took that bait and wrote this article basically just saying, boo-hoo-hoo, this, uh, this prosecuting attorney for Utah County is just trying to do his job, but the dang sheriff's office has gotten taken over by QAnon, satanic panic, and now they're coming after him and it forced him to hold this press conference where he you know, says he's not a cannibal and all that. And they try to blame some random YouTube video. And then here we are down in pa paragraph 10 that they acknowledge the Utah County Sheriff's Office had just announced that he was opening an investigation into ritualistic child sexual abuse. Do you see what I'm saying? Does, I hope that makes sense because this is just one of my first complaints. This woman wrote this article like that, defending David Levitt, spends the whole, spends all this, what we would say back in the day whenever it was printed, sends all this ink uh, to defend David Levitt, and then 10 paragraphs, 11 paragraphs down says, oh yeah, by the way, the Utah County Sheriff's Office is investigating ritualized child sex abuse, by the way. Um, it's just a horrible job. It's just a horrible article, just be frank about it. And so... When she reached out to me, I was definitely skeptical because, I mean, I've been interviewed by Vice News a couple of times. I've been interviewed by an HBO documentary crew. I linked both of those right here. And those are times that my words were taken out of context or selectively edited to make it sound like I was saying things I wasn't. And knowing this, I decided to record the entire conversation with Brandy Zadrozny. That's why I have this because I knew, you know what, hey, I'll talk to her, but I'm going to get a screen recording program together. I'm going to make sure I can just pause this thing, or excuse me, I can just record and, and save it and have it for my own records. And I'm really glad I did because, again, the revelations that I feel like I, the, the sort of the truth of what, the way these people think, it's just really astounding. So I think I've delayed long enough. I'm sorry for that long buildup. Let's go ahead and get right into it. The main points, let's say, is that Brandy Zdrozny and quote-unquote journalists like her, they are... They are just so blind to a fault. Like, and they, they can't see beyond their own understanding. This is just one example. Brandy Zadrozny is asking me all about my YouTube channel. I told her how my YouTube channel had been deleted in October 2020 for COVID misinformation. And when I told her about this, she said, Oh, RIP. Sorry about that. You know, it's like, wow, that sucks. And just doesn't have the self awareness to realize that people like her who are spreading the, oh, this is misinformation, this is propaganda, this is anti-vaxxer extremists, are the kind of people that are getting people like me banned. Of course, that totally eluded her. Nonetheless, she was sorry I lost my YouTube channel, I guess. And so we get into this. We start talking about some of my work on David Hamblin, including my, uh, my two-part article from last year called Kate's Story, where Kate Talley, a Utah woman, came to me because she knew David Hamblin she was uh, married to his best friend, and she had some in uh, direct experience. And so I reported on that, and I put that information out there. Uh, and then the second report of, of Kate's, she described in her own words what she suffered was ritualistic abuse within the, Latin, uh, the Church of Latter-day Saints, the Mormon Church. Now, Brandy Zadrozny, NBC senior reporter, says that 
she thought my first report on Kate's abuse was legitimate, but she said the second report was, quote, less believable because Kate mentions alleged satanic ritual abuse. Zadrozny stated, quote, to an outsider, a normal person, someone like me, and I read that, I'm like, ooh, that seems like we're talking about the CIA, we're talking about SRA, satanic ritual abuse. It makes me a little bit skeptical. And I asked her what makes her skeptical, and she said, I think it's just that the 80s satanic panic and the fact that the FBI and another government study literally found no evidence. I think we've had such a wide and generally debunk debunking of this stuff that for me, it makes me think, if you're still beating the SRA drum without any evidence, it's hard for me to say I can believe that, but not this. So then she starts asking me about my personal beliefs. And that was what it was interesting about this is that when you listen to or watch this conversation, a lot of the things she said were really like they, she was trying to get information about me or as a, as a person, which again made me get the feeling that she was trying to do a story on me, not about the topic. I didn't want to be interviewed by Brandy Zadrozny to be profiled of a quote unquote conspiracy theorist or even as an independent journalist. The story itself is more important than me, but she was very focused on me throughout our conversation. And I basically had to educate her about how there is a history of ritual abuse in Utah. And I outline all this right here. I link to this for those of you who don't know. Back in 1990, the Utah Governor's Commission for Women and Families created the Utah Task Force on Ritual Abuse to investigate claims of ritualized sexual abuse in children. They issued a report in 1992 where they claimed that there were widespread um, abuse rings. Now, a later report claimed that they couldn't find hard evidence of this, but they said that there was also some you know examples of uh, ritualistic abuse not necessarily quote-unquote satanic but definitely groups that were organized and did have a ritualistic element and then Brit brandy and i start talking about the finders and some of my work on there and i you know i explained to her how the finders work and this is one of the things that i told her i said you know i'm skeptical but i'm open-minded because i've seen enough and documented enough and heard from people and seen that there is evidence of organized rings that traffic children and I said, but as uh, Utah County Sheriff's Office Sergeant Cannon told me, for some reason, whenever you put the word ritual in front of an investigation, it causes people to immediately have skepticism. And I said, does that mean every random QAnon theory has truth? Uh, of course not. So I told her that I actually, you know, I don't have anything to do with QAnon. I spent quite a bit of time over the last few years debunking QAnon stuff, and I link a bunch of articles there from theconsciousresistance.com for those who must have missed that period of my work. I also tell her how, you know, you're treating this case like it's just quote-unquote satanic panic or it's moral panic blown out of proportion when we literally have five victim statements from the 2012 case against the disgraced therapist David Hamblin, who has now been arrested, as well as his ex-wife, as the main suspects in this ongoing uh, investigation into ritualistic child abuse of children, which was organized by the Utah County Sheriff's Office. We now have him in custody, we have his wife in custody, and although he's being charged under new charges, we know that in 2012, when charges were first brought against him and later were dropped because they couldn't get evidence because the state was dragging their feet, from that 2012 case, we have five victim statements which describe detailed incidents, more than 150 different incidents involving uh, different prominent members of the Utah County community, including members of the Mormon Church. And yes, there are some some uh, the statements in there where the victims claim the abusers were praying to Lucifer or Satan. That's not Derek Bros's words. That's what those people say. And what I told Brandy Zadrozny was, quote, I don't look to the 2012 documents at the moment as based on pure fact. 
We don't know because it needs to be investigated, but there are at least five victim statements describing hundreds of different incidents of abuse, and they claim that the people involved in that did pray to Satan, did pray to Lucifer. That doesn't mean that I need to believe in that to see that, see that what someone is claiming um, is happening. You know, that basically just to say like, hey, look, this is what somebody's claiming. Doesn't mean I know or dismiss it. And I'm not saying as journalists, we have to listen to every random person who claims things. I've met a lot of people over the years, guys, who I couldn't honestly tell if they were stable or if they really did have mental issues or if they really were being gang stalked or if they really were, uh, had brain to skull, voice to skull technology. I don't know. Sometimes that line is very thin and it's difficult to know. But what I told her was, I don't claim to know whether these are implanted memories or some way for these people to explain their abuse psychologically or just exaggerate it or whatever. It's not my place to say. I'm not a psychologist. But to deny that these people report these claims is irresponsible or to dismiss them as, quote, not normal people because she used that word. And it was funny because at one point she's like, I knew the, the second I said normal, I knew that didn't sound good. It's, it's not what I meant. But it's what you said and part of you meant we're not normal in your eyes. You think that we're outside of the mainstream so much, Brandy Zadrozny, that we're not normal. Somebody like me is just a weirdo on the fringes of society. Uh, she says, though, labeling something a conspiracy theory is when it, quote, goes against the widely accepted normal explanation for something. She said that she watched my documentary about the finders, but her problem was basically she thought that I was just asking a lot of questions and stringing information together and, you know, that I didn't really draw any specific conclusions. I told her that I do believe there's clear connections between the intelligence agencies and the finders, but I didn't find any evidence of so-called Satanism. And she asked if I could find, if I could point to any specific case involving Satanic elements. And I couldn't provide any because I know there are claimed people out there, including Kate, including the 2012 case against Hamlin, um, other well-known um, mind control, alleged mind control victims who've come forward throughout the years. I can't conclusively prove those things exist. I, I wasn't there. I don't have, they don't have documentation. They don't have pictures and stuff like that. But that doesn't mean we should just ignore these people. And it also doesn't mean we should just believe every person that claims this either. But I can say conclusively based on my research over the last decade that I cannot rule it out. I can't rule out satanic ritual abuse or ritualistic abuse in general, even though I can't conclusively prove that it has happened or is happening right now. So, I, and I've even said, as I told her, that I think that satanic ritual abuse claims could be used to discredit examples of real-world uh, abuse. So maybe you have a, a, a real high-profile person involved in sexual abuse of some kind, and in order to push it away or to make it scary or silly or stupid or crazy or whatever in the eyes of uh, you know Johnny Mainstream, somebody starts putting on internet rumors, oh, I heard there's satanic this and that, and they poison the well, as I've talked about in other videos, by making it seem like there's conspiracy theories about something when in reality they're just making up their own conspiracy theories because they know it can be then easily dismissed and derided as, oh, crazy talk from crazy people. Now, the final point that I want to make, and I do highly encourage you to go watch this this video clip, uh, because I would say around things start getting real about 25 minutes in, but the whole thing's worth it. The last 15 minutes, 20 minutes to the 39 minute mark, I think is well worth watching, and that's pretty much where we're covering right now. And I call this obedient journalism, because you know I was thinking about this the other day. Whatever you think about Glenn Greenwald, he is. Uh, and, and whether or not it, he came up with it first or not, he is often credited with the founding of The Intercept. And The Intercept, back in the day, their tagline was adversarial journalism. 
And to me, all real journalism, all investigative journalism should be adversarial in terms of you question the official stances of governments. You don't just blindly trust them. But obviously, that's not the case with a lot of people. Uh, many people in the mainstream schools of journalism, they, they trust the authorities. And so if, if, if Glenn Greenwald's responsible for promoting adversarial journalism, Brandy Zadrozny is responsible for what I call obedient journalism or ruling class journalism. Now, I asked her a question. I said, okay, let, let me just, let's draw up a theoretical hypothetical here. What happens if, so as I mentioned, David Hamblin, former, former therapist, now disgraced, is in, is, has been charged. He's out on bail right now, unfortunately, but his trial is supposed to be starting sometime soon. It's been over a year since he's been arrested now. But at some point, his trial is supposed to start. And let's say that the charges against him do grow to the point where the police say, hey, you know what? This does now include the 2012 charges against him. We're going to retry him on those things. We have better evidence or whatever we needed. We have witnesses willing to come forward. Let's say it does grow to include those 2012 accusations, which again, those 2012 victim statements, there's at least a few of them in there that discuss Satanism and journalism. And, I, and these are more than 150 different incidents of alleged abuse. And the victim statements come from at least three I think four different victims. So this isn't just one person saying, hey, one time somebody abused me and they were doing it in the name of Satan. This is several people describing 150 different incidents of abuse, detailed locations, places, names of other people, and all kinds of stuff that I don't think you can just dream up out of your mind. I mean, I guess maybe, maybe you can if you really try hard, but I'm not sure why somebody would do that. So I asked her, I said, so what if it grows to that point where those cases, that 2012 accusations and victim statements are a part of the case now? Would you be willing to then report on it? You know, or what's it going to take for you to report on it? Are you going to dismiss it just because the victims claim that there was satanic and Luciferian worship? And, you know, this is what she said to me. She said, I think in terms of coverage, what's important is that one, Someone with some sort of authority feels that they are real, that these are allegations we should look into. To me, the victim statements, they are alleging mass murder on a grand scale. They are alleging that basically the whole of Spring City was part of the cabal of child molesters and Luciferians, etc., etc. I think there's a sort of place that you have to reach because if we write David Levitt is being accused of pedophilia, if we put these allegations out and we entertain them as believable just because someone says them, there's still a victim there. Someone's hurting because hurting because now their name is out there as an abuser or cult member. We have to be a little careful, right? Especially with the internet, these accusations can have insane, terrible effects on people's lives. And I do agree. I, you know, I, I agree that that's right. We, as journalists, we should be careful. We're going to talk about that. Now, here's where she goes a little further. She says, I believe people inherently, especially I'm a woman and a mother. My inclination is to believe people, but I also think we have a bar to reach on the other side before we go straight to believing them and to publishing and promoting what they're saying. Now, again, I wholeheartedly agree that journalists do need to ensure that their sources reach a certain level of credibility before publishing them. And that means, you know, you need to double check your leads, try to confirm multiple times if you can. Maybe some cases you can't, but the story is still valuable and you trust the source enough that you publish it. Uh, however, you shouldn't determine whether a person is credible simply based on how unconventional their story is. And this is what I've learned as well. Like I said earlier, sometimes it's difficult when people approach me at public events and say, hey, Derek, you know, I know you worked on 5G or this thing. And well, look, I'm hearing voices or I'm under attack, gang stalker. People are doing this. They're rearranging my room. They're coming at me at night. I black out. I wake up, you know, these kinds of things. 
I've tried to help some people like that. And sometimes I can't tell if they are like, you know, mentally ill or have some problems or on drugs or whatever, but I try to listen, right? I don't just simply say, oh my God, some crazy loon because they have an idea that I can't, you know, fathom in my small little mind, which is I think what Brandy Zadrozny and a lot of mainstream journalists do is if it's like, if this doesn't fit into my paradigm of what I already believe is true, like for example, if you've already accepted that the CDC is a trustable organization, you have faith in it, and somebody's like, hey, I'm a CDC whistleblower, or I know a CDC whistleblower, and he's saying this one thing, you have a bias, what I consider an authority bias, and you might say, no, nah, no, nah, that's not true. So let's say, for example, which is true, that there's a vaccine whistleblower at the CDC, and he came forward and tried to warn people and talk to people. But as a media journalist, you're either so beholden to big pharma, or you're just a useful idiot because you just trust the proclamations of the CDC and other organizations and you don't do your own research. So then when that whistleblower tries to come out, you just dismiss them and, and ignore it and say, oh, that's just a crazy conspiracy theory. That's an authority bias because the person's story doesn't immediately fit into your paradigm that you've been conditioned to believe through your Ivy League education, then you won't report on it. And that's not journalism. So. Ah, man, it's just, it was so frustrating to hear that. You know, again, a journalist is supposed to receive information from sources and verify to the greatest degree possible the claims that have been made. And after confirming with as many additional sources as possible, you publish the story with the hopes of obtaining additional details, which then can further corroborate the report. Instead, Brandy Zadrozny says that journalists shouldn't pursue unconventional or controversial stories until some sort of authority feels that they are real. And we all know the authorities have never lied to us or covered up any complicity in wrongdoing. So this means that journalists like Seymour Hersh should have never reported on the Miley massacre until the U.S. government admitted to killing people. Uh, journalists shouldn't have reported on the lies of the Iraq war until George W. Bush confirmed them because we wouldn't know that they're real, right? Unless an authority said so. And this is just not journalism, guys. This is obedient reporting, which serves the ruling class. And the fact that makes it all the more a slap in the face, as I say here, is that these statements came out of the mouth of an NBC senior reporter and misinformation expert who we can guarantee is being paid a handsome sal salary by one of the largest media conglomerates in the world who will tell the public that anyone who questions vaccine, so vaccine safety or believes in the existence of sex trafficking rings is just a victim of fake news and disinformation and her resistance to reporting anything that cannot be immediately confirmed by the authorities is what makes her useful to the ruling class and the sad thing about it is even if if that was her barometer and she's like oh it needs to reach a certain level like a, an authority needs to say something and then i'll believe it well the the announcement of the investigation into ritualistic child abuse was released by the Utah County Sheriff's Office. I'm guessing that's not a high enough authority for her because instead she just chooses to you know, focus on the fact that they're QAnon, alleged, you know, allegedly connected to QAnon and they're Republicans and satanic panic. She just totally ignored them. And then when it came to the, um, the idea of believing women, I told Brandy that I, from my perspective, she was holding two conflicting viewpoints. On one hand, she says she wants to believe women, but only if they don't mention satanic activity or ritual abuse or other phrases that would trigger her to dismiss them as conspiracy theory. I said, quote, I get the idea of protecting people, and that's why I didn't just say, here's what these Hamblin, Hamblin documents state. I don't want to send somebody to go attack someone. I'm definitely, even as an independent journalist, sticking to my ethics. 
At the same time, if someone is accused of crimes in these documents and the documents went to court as they did in the Hamlin case and weren't dismissed for lack of evidence, those allegations haven't been tried in the court to find whether they are accurate or not. And other, everybody in there is, is assumed innocent until proven guilty, but I asked her, I said, doesn't it even pique your interest to know that this person is accused of all kinds of crazy things? Like, you know, you don't want to look into that. You're just going to, oh, that must be conspiracy theory, even though he's listed in these documents by victim statements doing very detailed and disgusting and messed up thing. I'm just going to ignore that. And then I did the final thing I kind of told her, I said, I think it's odd and sad and interesting to hear that it takes a person of authority to say something for it to matter and that people want to be sympathetic and listen when others have stories to share. I don't, and I don't think blindly trusting anybody is good, but I also don't think dismissing people offhand because their story doesn't line up with what we believe is good. And, you know, I basically just told her, like, it just doesn't make sense. Like, on one hand, she wants to believe women, but she doesn't want to believe them if they say satanic or ritualistic or whatever. And I basically told her, like, I hope that she does a real story and that she, whatever she does, she doesn't just make fun of me and the other people she talks to. Like I said, we talked in February. It's now late October. She hasn't communicated with me since we first did this interview. I've posted about her. I've written this article. I released our, um, our conversation. I tagged her, so I'm sure she's seen it. But there's been no communication. If you're watching or listening, Brandy, hello. I'm very interested to see what you guys do next, and we're going to continue to d dissect it. And as I told Ms. Zadrozny right here, I said, that's what people expect. That's why so many people do not trust NBC or the mainstream media because they see things like that. And I told her that I try to be a fact checker in our own community and I do my best to stick with what we, what I know, but I also think there's the other extreme of just discounting everything as fake or conspiracy because you don't have some document that perfectly proves it. And, uh, I basically just said like they could have done a lot better job reporting on the, the trial and everything they've done. And she started questioning me again and asking if I was going to come to Utah to report on the case. I said I might. And the funniest thing is at the end, I said, you know, I might. I, I, I might go there. I said, it, depending on what happens, I think it could make a great documentary, even asking some of those questions that maybe other people don't think are worth asking, which I was obviously talking about her. And she kind of smiled and laughed and said, you're good. You're good. Thank you, Derek. And that was the end. So... Yeah, overall, this mainstream journalist, surprise, surprise, she wants to only report on things once the authorities tell her it's worth reporting. She wants to believe women unless they say things about satanic abuse or ritual abuse. Uh, you know, it, she just has a clear authority bias, and that is what I would call obedient journalism. So that's my article. I'll put it in the link below. You can read the article. You can watch the video if you want to and uh, learn about Brandy Zdrozny. Before I go, guys, I want to remind you, I do publish my content on Substack, derekbros.substack.com. I post old content, new content, uh, you, including this article here. And if you want to sign up there to support me, that's one way to support me. You can also support at buymeacoffee.com slash derekbros. Sign up for one-time support or monthly support. And the other thing I'll remind you, you can buy Conscious Resistance shirts to support us. You can buy my books to support us. And overall, guys, if you want me to continue to do this work, I encourage you, support where you can, spread the content, spread the love, spread the work. We have to dissect this propaganda, this disinformation. We are in an information war. That is absolutely correct. We are in an information war, and the people who are leading the way, the people who are in control of the 
methods of communication. It used to be just the mainstream media, TV, radio, etc. Now it's the internet. The internet is a battlefield. Social media is a battlefield. And this is part of fifth generation warfare. The fifth generation of warfare is not tanks. It's not um, it's not just spying on your cell phone. It's not, you know, guns and faces and bombs. It's all of those things, but it's also the propaganda information war. It's people like Brandy Zadrozny and fact checkers and things of that sort, which create a matrix around us that are designed to keep our brothers and sisters in the dark by telling them what is truth and what is fact and what is real and keeping them from questioning outside of that. That net is that they have cast is growing every day and yes there are holes and it's porous and there's ways to get through but they're also capturing more of the minds and hearts of our brothers and sisters and we have to wake them up that is why i spent the time to share you know release this whole interview and then to write a 2000 word article breaking it down i hope you will read it i hope you will share it i hope you will learn its lessons and remember to protect your mind protect your heart they are trying to get in there your your mind is one of the strongest, most important pieces of real estate in the entire universe. And these sick psychopaths know that, and they are trying to take up space in your head to make you doubt yourself, to make you hate yourself, to make us divided, distracted, and dissuaded from taking the real action of creating a better world by changing our lives and building the world that we know is possible. And to do that, we need to become conscious enough to question their propaganda, to see through the lies, and to spread the truth. So thank you guys so much for listening. My name is Derek Bros with the Conscious Resistance Network. Until next time, remember, you are powerful, you are beautiful, and you are free. Peace.